So until about yesterday afternoon, uh, I didn't realize, I didn't know how big, how enormous, how gigantic the universe is, uh, the cosmos. And when I say cosmos, I just mean outer space, right? You know, that, that area that, that's beyond the Earth's atmosphere. I didn't realize just how big it is. But, but yesterday I, I did some digging and, and I wanted to share a little of what I found with you. Okay, just a few details. Uh, for one, when we start to measure the cosmos, the universe, it's so big that we can't use earthly measurements like an inch, a foot, a yard. Those won't work, it's too big. So scientists use a special measurement and they call it a light year. Now, when I go back to my hometown, it's in Joliet, Illinois, and it's about 180 miles south of here. And if, if I drive the speed limit, which is usually about 70 miles per hour, it'd take me about three hours to arrive, give or take. But usually it takes about two and a half hours. That's just between us. But unlike my minivan going 70 miles per hour or 90, uh, light travels at uh, 186,000 miles per second. And you might have already known that, but I missed that in high school. I didn't pay attention to much. Uh, and, and what that means is a single beam of light can travel around the earth seven times in one second. So, so light moves incredibly fast. And, and if you did the math, a light year, so how far can light travel over an entire year? That would equal 5.88 trillion miles. So the universe, right, what's above you, once you get beyond the sky, outer space, it's so big, it's so enormous that the standard ruler is 5.88 trillion miles long. That's a light year. And, and in this giant, uh, uh, enormous universe, we've discovered that it contains uh, not hundreds, uh, not thousands, not millions, not billions, but trillions of what scientists call galaxies. And so for those of you who missed this class like me again, galaxies are just, you know, clusters of millions, uh, sometimes billions of stars, and they're held together by gravity. And so I just want to take a couple minutes. I just want to look through a few pictures uh, to get a sense of the grandeur of God's universe, right? Some pictures from NASA. Okay, so that, that picture is from NASA, and it's a galaxy called UGC 2885, and it's the seventh largest known galaxy because we don't really know what's out there. This is just the seventh one we know. Um, and it measures 463,000 light years across. So to get from one side to the other, if you traveled 186,000 miles per second, it would still take you 463,000 years to finish a road trip. They call this next one the Tadpole. Uh, galaxy. It's the ninth largest galaxy. It's 280,000 light years across. And I don't know about you guys, but I used to see these pictures and just be like, oh, well, you know, I just felt like these couldn't be real. I, I don't know. For some reason until yesterday, I just felt like paintings or something. Like these are actual photos. 
from a real telescope. So this is in space. Um, this next one is the called the Whirlpool Galaxy, which is often called the darling of astronomy, and it's kind of clear why. It's gorgeous, it's beautiful. Um, and it's made up of hundreds of billions of stars. Some estimates say up to 300 to 500 billion. And those uh, pink twinkles, you see those? They look really cool. Uh, those are star incubators, those little star birthers. And, and star scientists say that in the cosmos, there's a star born every second. So right now, as I speak, stars as big as our sun and bigger are being bored. Every second. And, and just in case you forgot the size of our sun, uh, that's our sun in, in relative to the earth. Um, it's pretty big. And every second, suns are coming into existence. Here's a, another amazing galaxy. It's called the Sunflower Galaxy. Look at that. And, and what's amazing is that we could go on literally all night. Because there are trillions of these galaxies out there, and we just happen to live in one of them. Our galaxy, as you all know, is called the Milky Way. Um, and there's a picture of it. It, it measures at about 100,000 light years across. And of course, in case you didn't know, uh, we don't live at the center of it. Instead, we live right about there. Jeffrey, can you see yourself? Where, where are you? Somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, so, so back in 1977, NASA launched this spacecraft to fly by Jupiter and Saturn. So they put this piece of machinery unmanned, and they sent it in outer space, and their goal was to get as far as Jupiter and Saturn. But it got much farther, actually. You might have heard about this. And in 1990... 13 years after its launch, this spacecraft was far beyond Neptune and was 3.7 billion miles away from the Earth. And at that distance out, that spacecraft turned around and it snapped a picture. And uh, this is uh, the picture. It was 60 different pictures, actually. You know, this is a composite photo. And it took like three years to come back from 3.7 billion miles away. And what you see in this picture are rays of sunlight. And in that ray of sunlight right there, you can see Earth, just that little dot. And uh, reflecting on this image, the astronomer Carl Sagan, he wrote these famous words. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, Everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives on that speck of dust in a sunray. And so you see, students, uh, we are really, really small. And when we talk about God the Creator, when we talk about the God of Genesis 1, the, the galaxy maker, the one who in the beginning created the universe, we're speaking of a being who is not like you. What kind of mind does a being have that can create the cosmos? 
What, what infinite energy does it take to sustain trillions and trillions of galaxies with billions and billions of stars and he lead, lights every one of them up and keeps them lit? What power does that take? And so when it comes to the galaxy maker, we're speaking of a being that's beyond our comprehension, beyond our wildest dreams, beyond every thought you could possibly have. He will put it to shame. He is different. He's not like us. And so, listen, in, in Genesis 1, in this short creation account given to us by God, He's not trying to answer scientific questions that we couldn't understand anyway. His goal was not to explain divine astrophysics. He wasn't trying to give us an exhaustive, detailed account of the exact mechanics behind creation. In other words, Genesis 1 is not so much, much focused on the how of creation. That is questions like, you know, how was light created on day one, but the sun didn't get created until day four? Or if the universe was created in verse one, which is the traditional interpretation, then wouldn't the sun, moon, and stars had already been created? And, and, and how long exactly did all this take anyway? Was it six 24-hour periods, so 144 hours exactly? Or were their days merely analogical? That is, the author was speaking about God's time in a way that we could understand, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same. And what's the age of the earth? Is it millions? Is it thousands of years? Let me just encourage you now that if you read Genesis 1 like that, you'll miss the whole point. This account covers creation, which is an, uh, of unfathomable complexity, in less than 40 verses. The goal then is to show us God, not teach us science. And that's why as we continue this study, our question remains the same. Who is God? Who is this galaxy maker, universe upholder? What, and, and what does this divine historical creation account reveal about him? So I just wanted to put it in focus. While we come to Genesis 1, we are speaking of a being that we cannot comprehend. So let's go ahead and read our passage, pray, and then dig in. Uh, if you got your papers, get your papers out. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us come to grasp your grandeur, your glory. Grant us spiritual wisdom, eyes to see, ears to hear your revelation, who you are. And so, Father, I pray that you prepare our hearts now. Teach us, speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, first we need to clarify, how does verse 1 relate to verse 2? And as I understand the passage, which many scholars agree and disagree with, is that verse 1, it, it's not a title to Genesis 1. It's not, in the beginning, God created the, created the heavens and the earth, and now here, let me tell you how. It's not a title. 
Uh, rather, it's the very first act of creation. And so as I read it, in Genesis 1-1, God creates the cosmos. Boom, right? You have galaxies and trillions of stars. And, but he left Earth and its observable atmosphere, at least from you know, the human perspective, our perspective, in the condition we find it in verse 2, which says, The Earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, the language used to describe earth, uh, right? The author says it's without form and it's void and it's covered in darkness. It's an ancient way to describe chaos and disorder. So to be without form is to have no use, no, no function. And the word void means empty, barren, desolate, and darkness in the Bible carries overtones of something ominous, not right, not complete. In other words, if you and I were there with God as he was uh, speaking light at 186,000 miles per second, second into existence, if we were there with God and we looked upon the earth and that, that pre-condition, that verse, verse two condition, it would have no beauty. It would have no order, no distinctions. It wouldn't look like that blue, gorgeous marble we know today. It would just be one black ball of primordial Darkness, just this primeval waste. And, and what's so interesting is that the structure of the first six days of creation, the, the first six days, it corresponds uh, to resolving that primordial state of the earth. And what I mean is that on the first three days, we're going to see next week, we see God forming. We see him shaping a futile and formless earth. He creates light. He separates the waters to create the sky. He gathers waters into oceans and lakes and rivers. And then, then he etches the, the contours of Mount Everest and the deepest valleys down to the Dead Sea and, and plains and hills, right? And so he, he shapes the earth those first three days. And then on the next three days, we see God filling the earth with an extraordinary, unbelievable amount of living creatures. Some that swim, uh, some that fly, some that run, including human beings. And so that's the overall structure. If you look at Genesis 1, uh, the overall structure of the first six days of creation is first three, God forms the earth. Second three days, the next three, three days, he fills the earth. And since Genesis 1 is seeking to reveal like who God is to us, since its, its aim is to tell us what he's like, a good question to ask is, why would God create the whole cosmos in one sentence, Genesis 1-1, but then stop short of putting the finishing touches on earth until verses 2 to 3, 31? And in general, why would he want to lengthen why would he want to draw out the process of creation? Why would he want to take six days? He could have all done one day in one sentence. And again, now we're back to the ultimate purpose of Genesis 1. See, God chose to organize the exact sequence of creation to reveal facets of his perfections and his nature and his character. It was a strategic account. While he could have done it any way he wanted, any way, he chose this way to reveal his unique character and nature. And so what we learn 
about God from the second verse of Genesis is that God shows himself bringing the earth out of a state of chaos and disorder into a fully functional fine-tuned, beautiful, glorious earth. And when I say fine-tuned, I mean everything about the place we live on this planet is perfect, perfect. We're the right distance from the sun. We have the right amount of water in the earth's crust. The gravitational pull is just strong enough. The earth is just big enough. And, And there's more conditions that have to be exactly, precisely, down to the, the smallest infinitude of a detail. It's got to be right for us to be breathing, singing, laughing, talking, going to school. Everything has to be so right. And therefore, in verse 2, God is showing us that he's a God who can take what's dysfunctional, what's in disarray, what is without form and void, and he can restore it into something beautiful. Put another way, he is a God of order, not of confusion. While I was in college, I met some of my closest friends, my closest friends in college. And one was this 35-year-old man named Dan. Uh, And Dan was different, not just because he was older than most of the 18 to 20 somethings on campus, but he was also a very intense person. Uh, I remember first seeing him at the college gym working out. He was just vigorously doing barbell training. He was angry at the West. It was intensity about Dan. He just had this chip on his shoulder, kind of like a no-nonsense vibe coming off of him. And, and I didn't really get to connect with him, especially at the gym, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I did get to take a summer course with him on church history. And it was, we had these breaks. And during those breaks, we talked a little bit. And really, the rest is history. We just became close friends over time. And, and what's amazing about Dan is just nine years ago, nine years ago, my dear friend was homeless He was living in the tough parts of Milwaukee, just just a little ways of here. He was snorting and smoking crack cocaine. He was shooting up heroin. Relationships with his family were totally shattered. Left to himself, his life was in utter chaos and disorder, without form and void, purposeless and empty. And, and, And Dan wasn't your everyday junkie. He wasn't a typical junkie. He actually was a very successful businessman, but he would go through these vicious cycles. He would he would go make a ton of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, spend a lot of money, live a lavish lifestyle, own sports cars, take vacations, do the whole thing. But then he would reach the top and and he said he would feel so unfulfilled so empty, so void that he'd go back, get high for months, spend all of his money uh, and come only to come back a few months later to do the whole process again. And he was stuck in that cycle over and over again. His life was in total chaos and disorder. And in his darkest moments, he would contemplate suicide because he just didn't care anymore. He achieved all that he thought was success and he had nothing else to live for, but all that was 
nine years ago. That was all nine years ago. Today, today, Dan has graduated from Moody Bible Institute with a BA in Biblical Studies and Human Services. And just recently, he finished his MA in Clinical Mental Health Counseling. He got married to a wonderful woman who, and I had the honor of participating in the wedding. They just had their first son together. He's seeking every day to grow as a husband and father to his family. He teaches and serves at his local church. He's, he's working as a counselor. He's doing what he's passionate about. And, and, and every time I look at him, I look at Dan, I say to myself, how is it that just nine years ago, he was shooting up heroin, wandering the streets of Milwaukee. What happened to Dan? What happened to him? Dan met the God of Genesis 1. And, and that God, he took the chaos and disorder of his life and he began a process of transforming and molding and shaping Dan into something beautiful and glorious and honorable more and more into the image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, so that he's useful just like he did to earth. Just like that. Students, before I even reached kindergarten, I was sexually abused. I was removed from the custody of my parents and placed in a foster home. By first grade, I was introduced to porn. I had no father. I grew up in neighborhoods that glorified drugs, sex, and violence. I started smoking marijuana every day of my life at the age of 11. 11. I was drinking myself to sleep uh, in high school, even totaled my car at 17. I was selling drugs, and all my life was just dysfunction and chaos and disorder. And now just 12 years later, God has made me a faithful husband for almost 10 years. He, 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 I'm a father to my sons that I never had. I, I spend all my life trying to bring others, you and others, to see the darkness of sin and the glory of God. All my life is spent to that mission. And what happened to Robert Lee? What happened to me? I met the God of Genesis 1. And he took my chaos and my disorder and my dysfunction. And he brought glory and beauty and honor from nothing. And he gave me everything. Everything. He breathed his spirit into me and I came alive to Christ. And, and some of you are like Dan. Some of you are like me. You might not have a, a drug addiction, but you're just as lost and you're just as confused as we were. Inside, you, you feel like you have no purpose. You feel like life is hopeless. You've even contemplated suicide. You feel overwhelmed by anxiety and depression. You feel rejected and unloved and you're doing things you never thought you'd do. Things you said you would never do, you're doing now. And God is saying to you now, come to me. Let me restore your life. Let me bring harmony and beauty and order to what you have made a mess of. Trust me, God says, as he reveals himself to you through Genesis 1. He is a God who brings order from chaos. And that's why he left the earth unfinished, just to show us that. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Oh, God, would you bring order to every one of these hearts in this room? 
every rebellious, every cold heart, would you bring them into glad, joyful submission to your word? Would they see that there is so much blessing and favor and wholeness and, and hope for those who trust in your son and obey him and follow him all the days of their life? Father, let them see that you have the way and you offer it to them now. In Jesus' name, amen.